0: Hi, I'm Ant Williams, business psychologist and Guinness World Record Holding Freediver. For the past two decades, I've been obsessed with a single question, how do the best leaders attract great people and build a culture that delivers results? This podcast is a record of the insights from my work with hundreds of leaders and conversations with experts in pursuit of the answer to this question. For the lifelong learner who wants to give their own leadership a boost, We reveal the universal principles that can be applied by any leader to drive consistently higher performance in their team. Welcome to the Leadership Deep Dive. Hi, and welcome back to our podcast. Ant Williams here, joined by Terry Condon from Modus Leadership. Great to have you back joining us. In today's session, it's part of a two-part series where we'll show you how to create and cultivate a performance culture so that your team can feel successful, that you can be focused on getting results, but you can also create an environment where people feel they're being developed, they're growing, and they are part of something that's a bit special. I don't know about you, but a lot of the leaders that I've worked for over my career have been quite good at this. Yeah. I actually think I've been lucky, I think I have now admittedly, I've been in consulting for 15 years and in consulting, we typically find really performance oriented cultures. So yeah. that means lots of feedback, lots of conversations about how you're going and where do you want to be developed? Yeah. So I look back and go, geez, I've had some good role models in this area. How about yourself? Have you found the same thing when it comes to performance cultures and, and how
1: leaders drive that? You've had a good bag or? Yeah, I think mixed, mixed. Some really good and and some really missing the mark and actually completely ignoring it, to be honest. Not even discussing it. Yeah, just almost an afterthought. It was more just you get in, you do your day-to-day grind type thing. Well, it's yeah. interesting
0: because I think when it comes down to how do you build a performance culture? Because a lot of people ask us this. They come to leadership programs or even maybe the other people engaging us to tr- run programs for their team, is they say, how do we create a performance culture within our team? Mm. And I think so much of it comes down to what the leader does, and in particular what conversations they have with their people. And, and that's where I want to focus initially is around, well, what does it look like to have a performance culture? What's the benefit of it? What do I get as a leader? What does my team get? And then in that second part, I think we should dive in and really teach people How do you build it? Like, Mm. How do you have the conversations that really count in order to build that culture within your team? Yep. So there are lots of different ways to go about this. But when it comes to what makes a really effective leader, we've talked about coaching. We've talked about giving feedback, how to have difficult conversations. There's a lot of things we've covered that are really important in leadership. But I don't think that takes anything away from the importance of being able to create a culture that Mm. is focused on outcomes, focused on getting results. Now, remember we did Lencioni's pyramid a while ago and we said, if you want a high-performing team, then at the very top of that, focus on business results. Yep. So it does start there. If you're going to focus on results, it has to start with a commitment by us as the leaders to have conversations about what performance really looks like. So the thing that often I think prevents us from doing this as well as we could is that we get so busy as leaders. That's the number one reason I, I hear uh, is, I oh, know I'm too busy focusing on all this really important stuff that's going on. This is just another thing to have one-on-one conversations with people about their performance. So inevitably what happens is that every time we catch up, we're talking about status updates, projects that you've got on, initiatives, green light, red light, traffic light stuff around how we're going. And, and, and I forget to talk about you and ask mm. you about
1: how you're going and are you being developed and what's next for you. Yeah, that's interesting because if you think about it, the focus is on the aggregate a lot. And it's the individuals that make up the aggregate that, that are driving that performance. And we can miss that because it's easier to just to talk about the aggregate. Yeah, but okay, just to play a devil's advocate, why wouldn't I just go and employ
0: lots of people who are already just super highly capable people come and just punch the lights out, perform really well. Surely if I just recruit people really well, my job's done. We'll have a
1: performance culture. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> um, but we both know that humans are humans. We have good days. We have bad days. We come up against different challenges. We're seeing different things happen in our lives. All of these impact our performance. Yeah. So if we're not addressing that at an individual level and we are really missing out on helping these people really reach their potential. Yeah. And I think when it comes to recruiting the right people, for me,
0: I I want people who bring the right skill set. but I know I can build skill. Yeah. The other thing I want, I really want is motivation. Mm -hmm. So people are coming in highly motivated. And one of my favorite sayings is, Employ people who are highly motivated and inspire them to do great work. Mm. So if you don't, if you hire people who are unmotivated to come and do great work and try to inspire them, it doesn't matter what you do. I don't think it's so hard to motivate people if you don't recruit one in the first part. So let's assume that's a given you've hired people who are highly motivated, then... It comes down to what we then do as leaders, the conversations we have, the way that we interact with them mm-hmm. to, in order to build that performance culture within our team. Really? So some of the key things, you got to be able to give great feedback around how people are performing. that has got to be the heart of a lot of this. Yep. I also think it's about setting really clear direction and purpose and what good looks like mm-hmm. and just constantly having this tension there about wanting more growth, yeah, more innovation, better outcomes for clients. It has to be that
1: flavor of almost like a positive tension in the year, right? Yeah. We know that motivation, it's a byproduct of progress. So whatever we're doing, we need to be fostering that progress to help people stay motivated. That's almost critical. You can have someone who's very intrinsically motivated to do the job, but if they're not progressing and they feel like they're stuck and stalling, they're not going to be motivated. Yeah. So it's critical to have this culture that's continually pushing people toward this level of performance and progress. So that motivation stays high. So as a leader, we've got to have these conversations about how you're going in terms of your projects,
0: your initiatives, your tasks, status updates. Yep. Got it. But then we've also got to be having these great conversations about development, about growth, about career. Yep. So what's your gut sense? Do do leaders typically do this well? Do do we have these conversations that count in these small increments and find time during most of our days? Do you think that happens?
1: My gut feel is that a lot of leaders would love to do this better. It's just that the way we allocate and manage our time doesn't always reflect what we want. A lot of the, the work that's required to build these performance cultures, it feels like a luxury a lot of the time because it's not actually the work that we do, if that makes sense. So the problem that we solve as a business isn't the problem we're trying to solve when we build, when we build a culture. So when we actually focus time on doing the work to build the culture, it feels like we're doing that at the expense of what we actually do yeah in terms of getting tasks done and yeah. projects completed, yeah. so being busy always wins out being busy wins yeah, being out busy <laughs> yeah and ultimately it comes at the cost of that sense of progress that sense of success because we're always just majoring in the minors a lot of the time what's right in front of us
0: when i first joined a consulting firm oh it's going back a while now it must be nearly 10 years ago i remember i was in my first week there and I was trying to work on a client solution, on, a, on, a, on an issue that a client had. And I, I remember I was sitting there and I was staring out the window a bit, trying to collect my thoughts, really think through how I'd approach this. I'd probably been looking intensely at a blank bit of paper for about a good 10 minutes when the lady next to me, she turns around and looks at me and she goes, listen, if you want to fit around, in around here, you're going to have to do some bloody work. <laughs> yeah, <I should. laughs> Great, okay. So good, good performance culture here, have we? Yeah, so that's not what we're talking about, is it? No, but it's, I think it illustrates to me how people assume that a performance culture is one where we're work, all working really hard and really fast. Yeah. But it's not. Mm. It's actually around being able to create an environment where people do their best work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that we just get on top of people and, and constantly put pressure on
1: them. I think, it's, I think it's more nuanced than that. The focus there is on your input, not on the output. Right? Yeah, in that situation was. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about a, a performance culture, the focus is on... Outputs, the focus is on results. We can be very busy, but that doesn't guarantee we're getting results. Yeah. So clearly, having these types
0: of conversations quite regularly with our people around their performance is going to be something that may even differentiate us as a leader. I know that there's another saying that says that people leave managers, not jobs. Yeah. So, so there's something in that because if I'm constantly having conversations with my team members just around the work, then is that really going to engage them? Are they going to th- be thinking, oh, awesome, I'm looking forward to today with a real sense of purpose? Or if they're getting, a, having good conversations where they're getting lots of rich feedback and being mm. challenged to do more and to bring out their best, then I, I reckon that's a richer environment to be in and one that they're going to remember for a longer because they're going to come away probably with greater skills and an experience of real success in a team and being part of a culture that seemed to be Just really
1: energised. Yeah. So right now, like our last six months, we've completely changed what we're doing. We've been doing a lot of different work, creating all this content, putting together very different offerings for the way we deliver training. There's been a lot of work involved in this. There's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And it it, it has been at times exhausting. Yeah. But whenever we connect it back to where we're going, where we're heading, where we've come from... I find that motivating because I'm like, "Wow, we're moving forward. But if our conversations were only ever, well, is that done yet? Did we do that? Is that done yet? Mm. That's not inherently motivating. That's just ticking the boxes. But the difference between just focusing on the work and looking at progress is it's almost like that story, isn't it? You're either laying bricks or building a temple. If we're not helping people see that they're building temples, it's very hard to get performance. So what I take from that is a lot of it's about
0: setting the direction and getting people excited about where the team is going so that's obviously a really big part of this yeah and then i guess the second part to it is in letting people know how they're
1: going in terms of bringing us forward towards that mission that outcome yeah there's been days where i've come in i'm like man we've got so much stuff to do and i'm feeling overwhelmed about how much is on the plate and then we have this conversation and like there's these two or three big opportunities in front of us. If we can just do this and it's exciting, go, hey! yeah, you get back into yeah. it. Whereas otherwise you just stare at the screen and go, oh man. this. Well, so otherwise you're just coming do. in and doing work.
0: Yeah. And we don't want that. We don't want you nah. just coming and doing work. We actually want it to be really engaging as a workplace. And I think people don't like to just plod. Maybe some people do, but I think the majority of us actually want to be stimulated in the work environment because we spend so much time here. Yeah. We want it to be a lively environment. Yeah. So it's got to come down to a lot of the conversations that we have as leaders with our people, with our team members. And in a way that really brings out the best in them, really unlocks their potential. Yeah. So we've talked in the past about coaching, talked past about how to give and receive feedback. But what I don't think we have really covered off on that I want to do here is talk about the different types of conversations that we have to have as a leader with our people. Yeah. So, for example, we've all heard of the performance review that takes place, I don't know, every six months or Mm. once a year. And we know that it's quite a formal process. Often there's rankings that take place at the end, which will impact how much you earn for the next year. And so there's often a lot of tension around these, but yet they're still a very good benchmark to show you how you're going right now. Mm. The opposite end of the spectrum, you have all these small, fast check-ins, just quick. How are you going? I mean, think about this. Hey, notice this. Hey, on this project, have you thought about trying it differently by doing this and less of this? I think there's some real magic in those quick moments, those catch-ups, the coaching on the run that we can do where we're giving people feedback, but we're being really savvy to what conversation will bring out the best in someone. Yep. And then there's probably some middle ground as well with some more planned and methodical conversations around how someone going in their own development. So I think there's a range of conversations we need to be having, all of which will distinguish us by building a performance culture within our team where each individual understands where they're at today and where
1: you're hoping to help them get to. Mm. Yeah, so what you're saying is basically the main tool for building a performance culture is the performance conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Without that conversation, we actually don't show people what to focus on what matters. Yep. So we define what a performance culture is. How do we go about building one? As we've alluded to, It's about these conversations we have about performance, how we have them, how often we have them, and I guess how we embed them in our normal operating rhythm. For me, one of the biggest differences I notice coming out of a background in sport, moving into more of a corporate space, is how rare it is to have conversations about performance in a corporate space. Like compared to sport? Yeah. In sport, those feedback loops are so tight. If you play a game on the weekend, by Monday... The team has had a review of how it went. By the end of Monday, your smaller subgroup that you work with within that team has had a review on how it went. By Tuesday, you've had a one-on-one with your coach on how you specifically went. And you know exactly what you need to focus on for this next week. Yeah, which is a bit different Um, to what happens at work, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not to say that's how it should be in every environment. It's just the difference between how much of an emphasis we put on the performance part. Whereas the work part, it's not as emphasized in sport.
0: I reckon there's part of it is a level of comfort around being able to have and receive conversations about performance as well. I remember going to a conference once, sitting next to Graham Henry, who had just uh, retired as the coach of the All Blacks. Now, for those of you who don't know much about Rugby Union, you've probably heard the name, the All Blacks, because everyone has, fun fact. For the last hundred years, there has been no more successful team in any sport, in any country, in any code than the New Zealand All Blacks. So sitting next to the the coach, I couldn't help myself. I had to say to him, how do you do this? What's the secret of building a performance culture in a team that where everyone in the world expects you to continue winning, even after a hundred years of being at the top? And she said, actually, yeah, we have a we have a, a way of talking about performance, which is so transparent and so frequent. So, mm. you see that? It's exactly like you're saying, Terry. You he goes, Look, after basically after every game, you get a card, and your card has a score out of 10 on 10 things. So, 10 things that I want you to be really exceptional at. And I'm going to score you from zero to 10 on all of these. And uh, a panel of us will agree on what how you score on each of these. And then someone sits down with you and has that conversation after every game. Mm. And then we talk about, where you're going to improve and how you're going to get the improvement. Man, yeah. imagine if we did that at the office. Hey, Terry, <laughs> hey, remember last week? Oh, Here's your scorecard.
1: Well, there's a, there is a business that's operating this way. Oh, really? Who's yeah, that? Yeah, it's called Bridgewater Capital. Oh. And it's run by a guy called Ray Dalio. It's an interesting TED talk. He pretty much walks you through how this works in his business. He's taken it to the extreme. But, but the key insight is the same thing. We've got to tighten those, those feedback loops and we've got to show people how they're going. So they can connect the dots.
0: I think it's important we point out here that we're not just talking about these formal performance review types of conversations. No. Because incidentally, a lot of organizations are moving completely away from these.
1: Yeah, they're quite ineffective the way they had been run, aren't
0: they? Yeah. And there's a lot of
1: research to show that. Yeah. And actually, they can go the other way. Yeah, they can be detrimental. (laughs) Yeah. I agree with that as well. So I think...
0: Although those are important, an important type of conversation that we still need to be able to have for most of us. Mm. Really, I think the conversations we can get the biggest bang for our buck in terms of creating that performance culture around those daily interactions that we're having with each other and maybe some of the more formalized catch-ups where
1: we talk about you and your development and yeah. your career and those sorts of things. Well, when we have, when we actually make time to talk about performance with our people, we show them that it really matters. And whatever we make that time for, we can demonstrate, yes, this is something I want us to pay attention to. So it was funny, I heard this story about a venture-backed tech company that had been doing really well. They'd been growing their market share, and they were doing well, but their cash flow was poor because basically their teams weren't collecting from the customers like they should have. They were letting bills pile up. and Money was coming in. No money, so <laughs> they're not collecting the That's cash. So they're like, yeah, we're growing, but yeah, we've got no cash. Yeah. <laughs> and Selling lots, but no one's collecting it. Yeah. The advisor who's in the venture firm... Comes in and says, How are things going? I'm seeing that things are growing, but cash flow is really not where it needs to be. And the CEO is, I can't get my people to focus on actually just collecting. I can't get our team to actually do those things that matter, those little things that actually lead to us getting the money. And he said, This is a very easy fix. All you're going to do now is have a meeting every day where you, you sit down with these people and you say, How are we going with cash flow? And just by putting that emphasis on that one thing, So like that laser-like focus until it gets remedied. Yeah. So, you know, key point is whatever we make time for, we show people it matters. So yes, we can tell people that performance matters, but if we're not showing them by having these conversations all the time, then it doesn't really hit. It sounds so simple though. If indeed it is that simple,
0: then why aren't most managers doing it already? I think no one wants to be seen as a micromanager. So if I'm a micromanager, that means it's breathing down your neck, constantly giving you feedback uh, that may be uh, unwanted at times.
1: Yeah, that's right. And that's fair enough too, but, but they're actually not the same thing. What we're talking about having performance conversations and micromanaging people, they're not the same thing. If I'm micromanaging you, I'm telling you exactly what to do and how to do it at every step, and I'm trusting you to do nothing. We're actually not saying that. What we're saying is we're always checking in, finding out how things are going. One of those things, I'm acting as a guide and maybe somebody who's helping you remove obstacles that are in your way. And another one, I'm telling you what to do. I reckon an even bigger obstacle for managers
0: is that they just feel that they might um, erode the relationship with the other person if they seem to be giving them harsh feedback. Yeah. And so I'm worried that if I tell you this thing that I know is a block for you, that you'll get upset with me. But we won't admit it. We won't say, oh, no, that's not the reason. Mm. But, but we're just procrastinating. We'll put it off. We won't have that conversation. And then and then after a while, we'll get so fed up that we'll have that conversation. But now it's a cliff conversation because I've got to yeah. say, right, you haven't been doing this for this long. Yeah. And you've got to fix it. But yeah. by then, that's a bit too late. Yeah, it's a really big thing then.
1: It's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. And people will be upset because you haven't addressed it earlier. What I've found with these conversations... And Going back to those observations about sport is that it's almost like you get a level of exposure to it. You expect that it's coming. You even seek it out because you know that's the focus. All of these concerns drop away because it's just the way things are done where you're just going, no, we're always pushing, we're progressing, and that's just a part of it. So the emotional response that you might expect or see at times, it actually doesn't actually always exist the way we think it does. Uh, and I think anyone can learn how to do this really well. It just has to
0: become the way, part of your operating rhythm, part of the way that you think about your role as a leader each day. So if anyone can learn how to do it, then we've discussed the benefits of doing it. The fact that you get to become that leader you want to be. You get to build real capability within your team. You get to keep people focused on task and growing their skills. And there's a coaching element to this as well. We are really unlocking their potential. Mm. All of these things are great, Like you'll be seen as the leader you want to be seen as because your team will be performing be getting results, getting outcomes. So we know that we're going to embed these conversations about performance into our operating rhythm. There's got to be a variety of conversations we have. We can maybe talk a little bit more about that, but we also have to match the message around each person's performance to where they are today. So you've got to customize. You've got to customize these messages. Mm. So with each person, you're going to have to have different types of conversations about performance. And we're going to cover that next time. Make it easy for us. Yeah. What are the three big board bucket conversations we need to have? Yeah. And who do we need to have those with? So we'll talk about that next time. What I want to leave you guys with is that idea that I've just got to be having more conversations that are away from status updates and tasks. And more about checking in. How are you going? Mm. Where do we need to be developing you? How can we get you to grow into this new role or this new area of development and skill faster? So it's got to become part of our new operating rhythm as leaders to have these conversations that count. So in the next episode, what we're going to go into is a bit more detail around the different types of conversations you can have as a leader with people. And then how do you match those up and align them to where each person is at within your team? so that you're having the conversation just when it needs to be had in a way that motivates, engages, and really helps support and develop that person. Sounds good.